Every day is upside down in Sonji Land. Hi and welcome to the Sonji Land show where everybody's upside down. And I am so excited because my guest today is Mikael Christiansen, who is the best hand balancer in Norway. He has been featured in Cirque du Cirque and many other acts have been featured and he has been uh, teaching in the circus school in Copenhagen and in Stockholm and he is also known as one of the best teachers in hand balancing who are able to teach people like me <laughs> who started late who didn't grow up in a circus school so I'm really really excited to have you here thanks for taking the time thanks for having me and um, you have a very interesting story because you yourself started later right so how did you start hand balancing mm. so the absolute first start was at around I mean I started messing around walking on my hands around 17 when I was doing karate so I was I was introduced to, to breakdancing through a friend of mine I saw a VHS and I was just like, wow okay I just have to do this thing and I figured out learning how to walk on my hands was a good idea so I would just flop around with that sometimes. Um, then later on I moved to Oslo from my little hometown called Røros, which is in, in the mountains in Norway. Mm -hmm. No people live there basically. I moved to Oslo, I met sort of the breakers here and really got into all of the sort of breaking culture. And I was just fell in love with handstand related movements. Um, and then in 2000 and Eight or 2007, 18th of December, I think it was. I met a guy named Corey Tobino here in Oslo. Mm -hmm. uh, he was here performing with uh, with the circus, and I, he's a hand balancer from the states. I went to meet him to have a class, and I just immediately saw, okay, I just have to do this thing. So, fast um, forward from from there, I trained for a year. Uh, I applied to the circus school in Stockholm called Doc. Um, How old were you by the time? Hmm? How old were you by the time? Then I was when I applied to school. I was 23, so when I started, I turned 24. So reasonably late. Did you have any thoughts about maybe it being too late, or what were your thoughts about the age? Mm, I mean, I was just stoked at the moment, so I felt. You a bit just thought you want to learn that. Yeah, I was just I just had to do this thing, cool. so. I didn't really mind and I saw that like the skills were developing very fast for me um, mainly because of my breakdancing background that's why it, I sort of it just exploded in a couple of months I could do quite a lot of advanced things I would say um, because of the experience of being upside down for so many years um, but in circus school I the way it sort of influenced me I think is that I understood that if I was going to do this and keep doing it and perform and all this for years, I had to learn about how the body works mm. and sort of study and figure out intellectually as well as just physically how how the practice mm. orients itself. That's probably the big difference between when you start as a child and when you start later is that you have to understand the movements, otherwise you cannot learn them. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're a kid, you probably you just mimic what your teacher does. Definitely. Or what. It's, a good hand balance. I use this analogy that it's like language. Uh, so you can think about a guy like me. I'm basically a PhD in handstand. I've studied it uh, on a very high level for very many years. Uh, spent I don't know countless countless hours practicing it. And how much would that be approximately if you sum it up? 
the amount of time you practice? Uh, no idea, but like for, I was an idiot. For a period of about seven years, I trained 365 days a year. Holy shit. So you I never had a break. I've had like the longest break I've had from being on my hands since I started. Must be five days just that when I finished circus schools, I had five days when I didn't train handstands. And this is not a good idea. I mean, I never, I never had, I mean, I was under-recovered all the time, which just led to me having slower progress than I could have, I think. Okay. Um, but I was just too obsessed. I just had to do this thing. So, uh, yeah, now I've changed that approach quite a lot and try to go softer with it and it's working better. And you also have a lot of students online and also offline. You do workshops and you have other students. Um, what is your approach to figuring out what the right volume is and how many rest days and all that stuff? Mm. So like for me, what I see is the general tendency of the practice is that it has a very, very high variance on, on uh, how you will be experiencing your balance. Like, you will be absolutely great for no reason one day. Like you might feel tired and then you go in and you just smash it for three hours. Then you rested, you feel great, and then you go in and can't do nothing. So it has this like large variance curve. Uh, so I think the main thing to do always is, is, is like if you're looking at your progress curve, you really need to zoom very far out. And that's kind of where it's a bit annoying. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'd rather use like higher frequency training, like having someone who's even rather new to practice four to five days a week, but just do less. Like, for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it could start there. It could be an hour, but like sort of the general things is just like make the seconds when you're on your hands count. Because if you kick yeah. up and you're like say you're practicing your tuck handstand, you get up to handstand and you fall down and you get up and you fall down you get up you catch it then you start tucking uh, you've actually spent quite a lot of both mental energy and physical energy getting drained before you even get into your tuck handstand maybe you hold it wobbly for two seconds and you drop all of that energy is kind of wasted then compared to okay you didn't catch your two first kick up okay you sleep alone for 30 seconds okay now i feel fine i try again because it's you need to manage your energy um, in a very efficient way to get Get good practice so it's a little bit like I like to compare it more to guitar playing than to just strength training mm -hmm. because of that like, that exact thing that you need to be focused and fresh like imagine if you were working on a guitar solo and then in between you would just do powerball until yeah. your your forearm is just pumped as hell and then you're gonna play high precision work it's probably not gonna be great so yeah energy management and higher frequency and lower volume in the start I would say. so to sum it up you could say it's the quality time under tension that counts. Yeah. Is that right? And that's the thing also, like time under tension is a, is a term from strength training theory. Like yeah. as these things sort of have moved out of the circus world, out of gymnastics and these things where the skill is more of the focus is on the skill and the technique and you start discussing it in sort of in the parameters of, of strength and workout training then you start working with that yeah stuff like time under tension which isn't a bad term but like like but your optimal handstand will be time under as little tension as possible when you're up there true very true yeah maybe you can tell us a little bit about the difference between the gymnastics handstand and a real service hand balancing handstand yeah so 
this is coming from a hand balancer, so I haven't done gymnastics. Uh, my, my views on it comes from observation of how I see gymnastics um, being and absorb the purposes it has. And from the drills I see the gymnasts use, there's a lot of body tension drills. There's a lot of, of like, you need to have, in gymnastics, you need an extremely strong hollow and an extremely strong arch mm -hmm. so that you can use these two dynamics to generate force uh, through space. Because when you tumble, you're moving through the handstand and you're using the open chest to the closed chest position to generate momentum. Mm -hmm. uh, you have an enormous amount of tension in the abs and legs and all of these things. Uh, and these are not necessary as you're doing hand balancing style handstands. And the reason for that is simply that like you're trying to be up there with more with more efficiency because you're going to spend longer time there and you're going to practice doing one arm handstands which doesn't relate to tumbling or swinging elements or any of these like uh, core gymnastic skills so. yeah you told us that when i visited your workshop and i found it very interesting because i know many many people who say like well, doing a handstand, you need a very strong core. Like you need to have a lot of strength yeah, there, it's, and it's just not really true. It's it's not true. Uh, the last person I discussed it with was a very young kid who is self or kind of self-taught in in Australia. He's I think he's 17, 18 or something. Very talented, learning super fast. And we discussed this, and he and I asked him, "Do you ever tense your abs?" And he's like, "Uh." No, uh, everyone tells me I should, but I don't really bother. He said. Yeah. And he can do it legs. Makes it harder. Yeah, he, he can do he can do legs together one arm. He's very stable. Very very good. So it's like for him it made no sense to tense his abs because he, for him intuitively he saw that this wouldn't give him anything. It's not I don't either. There is no reason for me to add tension here because it's the same principle as if I stand on one leg, I don't need to brace my core to stand better on one leg. I just need to concentrate on my leg and my foot. Yeah. Uh, same if I stand on my head, I don't need to brace my core because the line from my head through to my pelvis is already reinforced. So I don't need a massive amount of tension in here to keep it in place. And the misunderstanding comes plain and simply from the idea that you start wobbling up here, but you don't. It's always a reaction of something happening lower in the chain. Mm -hmm. And my best example for that, for you and for anyone watching this, is try standing on one leg and feel how stable it is to stand on one leg. Then close your eyes and suddenly you will wobble. And you haven't moved anything in your upper body. All that happens is that you're doing slower and less precise corrections with your feet which makes your hip move slightly and you will be moving more more in in space than you would if you have your eyes open. Mm. That's an excellent example. Thank you for that. So, I am curious, um, have you had any major setbacks in terms of injuries or stuff like that? Yep, right now. Right now, um, yeah. Saw that. So, yeah. Um, How do you deal with that? I mean, the best thing is to deal with it. In first of all, with a with a practice as at least for me as obsessive and sort of focused as handstands is, as we talk about it has this like high variance and it's you sort of want to keep going with it, you wanna progress, you wanna keep consistent with your things and then suddenly right, so you you're don't stopped. take a break, right? Yeah. Like now I do take breaks. I take at least one day off a week, or at least I try to. Um, <laughs> I uh, try to. Yeah, I'm, like I'm moderately successful at it right now, and it's been going rather well. Uh, so, it's yeah, to take, the, to take the to take them 
the recent injury, basically like I overused it a bit some months ago, and then it healed up after, yeah, about one and a half months I had to perform in that period, so it was not great um, timing for the injury, so that's why it took a long time to heal. And then about five days ago I fell really badly because I had changed my equipment and the equipment didn't work as I thought it would, so it failed and it fell sideways and smashed my wrist. So it's not great at the moment, a couple of days should be fine. Um, but I had a low back injury from performing in leading piece with Sitka. Uh, I think that happened in 2016, I think it happened. 2015-16. Uh, um, I think I got some sort of heavy muscle injury in the side of the low back. I assume it's like the psoas or QL, that kind of area somewhere. Um, and it was, I couldn't do practically any training for about six months. I would do handstands, but I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. I couldn't like do any real practice. Um, so that was a major setback. Luckily, I didn't have any performing in the period, but towards the end, I was going to Chile to perform. And somehow, uh, I tried doing a roller on my knees, uh, three times 10, and I was like, oh, wait a second, why does it feel better? And then I did three times ten out roller for two weeks, and then I went to perform, and I was fine. <laughs> I don't know. It did something for me. Small secrets that you discover yeah. by accident. Really can't explain why it was like that, um, but um, yeah, I mean it's 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 the injuries in general. I mean like the main thing is load management. Like it's, there are no magic pills. It's just mm -hmm. like when you're doing stuff like this, you're putting you're putting quite high strain on your body. You're demanding your joints to be able to deal with all these forces, and the less experience you have with it, the less efficient you will be. So let's take the wrist. A person that learns to stand on, on their hands, like the weight will be moving a lot around the hand and they'll be trying to correct it, but they won't be good at correcting it. So they can't just put the weight here as I would normally do. Uh, so over time you get efficient, which means that you will be less likely to get injured as well, but you need to respect like the amount of pressure you're putting on your body and from all of the various things that I tried and used to believe that it helped and this and that, I think that there's a large degree of confirmation bias and I don't think there's anything that is like bulletproof that makes your wrist perfect or your shoulders perfect. You're putting yourself at risk when you do these things, so you need to be smart about it and you need to listen to your body. Of course, there's tons of like rehabilitation, rehab kind of stuff that can be great to do, try them out, but nothing works for everyone. Right. So, how is your life right now? How does your daily life look? Life right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been traveling quite a lot the last um, six months, uh, last year. Um, so it's like right now. My I'm yeah. I'm still kind of traveling. I will be relocating back to Stockholm where I used to live because I've now been in Copenhagen for about one year. What are you gonna do there? In Stockholm, I'm going to start a project. Now I'm seeing it even on video here, so now I have to do it. Uh, it's, I'm starting a. Um, I'm going to create a performance called the Handstand Forest with 
um, five other hand dancers and a musician. Um, that is at least the plan so far. So that will take a lot of admin, it will take a lot of time in terms of uh, finding out where, when, how, how to get the money and all these things in terms of getting the structure to be able to create it. Um, the ID is good, that I already know, we have some great footage, we have an amazing team and all of that, but like there's um, basically like application procedures that need to be done for grants and so forth so that you get the, the amount of money that will be necessary to do the production phase of the project. So luckily Sweden and sort of Scandinavia has a lot of good um, opportunities for this and I have very many friends like from the sort of the Stockholm uh, circuit of circus that have done this mm -hmm. so it's quite a normal thing to do over there at one point like, yeah I'm gonna create my show you apply you get money in the end hopefully and uh, <laughs> perhaps you have to try a couple of times but yes that's what I'm going to do but right now yeah lots of travel uh, I've been trying to keep up with my training and like since I enjoy to do that um, freelancing teaching a fair bit yeah both online and like, workshops and so forth um, yeah trying to trying to live freelance hell basically <laughs> well that project of yours sounds really really interesting and I wish you the best Thank you. I really do hope that it turns out well and so I just have a last question for you for all of the people out there who dream of being in the circus business or being a professional hand balancer what advice do you have for those mm, good question uh, I mean that's that's the big one that like that hit me when I was in the second year of circus school like holy shit it doesn't really matter how good I am at handstands okay what does that mean um, that the contemporary circus business at this point has so much more to do with uh, your um, how to say what you have to contribute with as a performer in terms of all the other things like the, the technical skills are great mm -hmm. and it's useful and in certain parts of the business like okay they just want you to do some spectacular stuff but in the sort of field as it works now it's like no one is doing only handstands. Everyone's like a hand balancer and then an acrobat mm. and then they can do a little bit of this and a little so bit of that. You have to be very creative and uh, do more. Yeah, more it's like things. you sort of like you can sort of roughly, very roughly separate into sort of your technical, sort of physical uh, circus skills and then you have your sort of theatricality or your ability to sort of express on stage playing characters or all these things. Then you have sort of your ability as sort of a yeah, not you're not a dancer, but like everyone who's in circus school are taught in dance and movement and have these kind of classes so that you have confidence and an ability to move well. Uh, and then it's like the entire creative aspect. So one like the guy that I trained with in school, three hours a day, every like or every single day in school, he he still does handstands, but he doesn't train much. He's gone into like this really abstract weird stuff that he's creating that's totally amazing it's just he's chosen a different path uh, than just slamming on with sort of the technical stuff because it's not that interesting to him. Mm -hmm. and anyway when you approach sort of like the end game of the vocabulary of hand balancing no one knows what you're watching anyway like you still get the most applause from a crocodile uh, it's true. <laughs> every time, like, so frustrating. It's frustrating, but it's 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 just like that's that's where you sort of as you're creating stuff on stage, like you need to look outside of sort of the technical skills and 
um, like that's what I figured out in the in when I was in school. That okay, if I don't have anything to do on stage or anything to say on stage without doing a handstand, then I have a problem. And that's why, I like, or at that point, I started researching into other things and trying to figure out more, like, how I could bring who I am, like, the things that I find fascinating in my life and about what I'm interested in on stage, because that's ultimately what becomes genuine, and genuinity is, is what sort of, um, how to say, colors off on stage and sort of gives something else. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's wrap it up. So, you heard it. Just be whoever you want to be. Bring yourself on the stage of your life. <laughs> And I'll see you next time on the next episode of the Sonjaland Show.